This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing at a line drive, left field, Ben Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive! He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, strike three, it's over! have won the world championship welcome to benny and the bets podcast can you believe it here's your host terry cushman good evening everyone and welcome to another episode of the benny and the bets podcast covering boston red sox baseball for everyone staying up late tonight on periscope the podcast as always can be found on google podcasts itunes spotify stitcher spreaker Apple Podcasts and the link to our Apple Podcast feed can be found right above your video window. Just click that. It'll take you right to our feed. All of our episodes uh, can be found there. Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Cleveland Indians, taking the set two out of three games. Finally decide to start winning when it's basically over. I am Terry Cushman, and I'm joined, as always, by Liz Churchville, and returning to the show for the first time in quite a while, Al Nahigian. How are you guys? Fantastic, Terry. Fantastic. Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Good to be back. I was about to say, you've you've missed a a couple of weeks anyway, and uh, I'm not going to lie, Liz, I got so used to Matt the last you know four episodes in a row i saw him saying yeah i'm going to a game tonight and i'm like you know because i knew i didn't have jeremy i'm like oh my god am i missing two people and then i'm like no wait it's the middle of the week liz should be back (laughs) and uh thank goodness i and i did miss you by the way and uh i missed you too thank you and uh (laughs) al certainly good to have you back and uh you, you know it's always nice to have you on and uh for those of you who, uh, for those in the audience, excuse me, who haven't heard you, why don't you uh, give your background, where they can find your work, so on and so forth? Yeah, just a uh, North Shore kid uh, that for the big Red Sox obsession, big sports obsession in general, Boston sports. Uh, if you like hearing Red Sox takes, besides obviously this great Benny and the Beth podcast, you can go check out the Into the Triangle podcast presented by Couch Guy Sports. It's me, it's Jared Scally. We like to talk about the Red Sox, good or bad. And then if you like Boston Sports Podcast, I do my own independent one, which is actually represented by Big Heads Podcast Network, which I believe this podcast is too. Correct me if I'm wrong, Terry. That is but correct. Yep, so we're actually represented too by Big Heads Podcast, and that's called Legends Lingo. It's myself and a couple of my buddies around the North Shore. So if you want to listen to some average to above average takes, go give those a listen on iTunes and on SoundCloud. And, uh, yeah, right for Couch Guy and right for uh, Believe in Boston Sports. So you can say I'm pretty busy with writing and podcasting. You're really busy. And I consider myself to be fairly busy, but I think you're going to take the cake uh, <laughs> for the both of us. Uh, 
And uh, I didn't realize... I'm a full-time job, so bear with me. Yeah, I kind of have a full-time job, sort of. Um, But yeah, I didn't know we were brothers, you know, within the Big Heads Network, so... We are. are. It was fairly recent. It was actually, I think, a little bit right after you guys got on it. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. So, uh, Sox... You know, I'm kind of annoyed that, you know, we're winning and we're beating good teams because, I mean, I don't think there's enough games left to get back in it, but um, they certainly showed up in this Indian series. So uh, we'll just proceed with our normal heroes and zeros format. So, uh, Liz, why don't you uh, go ahead and, and lead off? Yeah, definitely. I want to just touch on you saying you guys beating uh, good teams, even though it, it probably doesn't really matter at this point. Um, teams like my team uh, appreciate you because uh, we're fighting hard to keep the, you know, to keep in that what that uh, wild card spot. I mean, even though a lot can happen, and it's like who is it? The A's, us, the Twins. Well, the Twins and the Indians are kind of back and forth, so who knows? You know what's going on there, but. Um, there's a lot going on at our division, you know, in the around the wild card situation. So we appreciate you guys beating good teams, even if it doesn't matter to uh, to the Sox in general. But um, so my hero is I'm going a little bit different route uh, this time. I usually stick with you know the usual suspects for me, which would be you know Devers, Bogey, somebody like that. I, I like a lot of good offense, but um, I'm going with Alex Cora and. Um, I don't really, I'm not a huge, you know, core person, I guess, but uh, two of the main reasons why, or the only reasons why I'm, I'm really picking him, honestly, is uh, today is probably the main reason uh, I was noticing what he decided to do with the rotation, and it looks like he decided to do an opener, which uh, is kind of cool and something that he doesn't do, and uh, a lot of teams are starting to dabble, and I know he was doing it in the playoffs last year. And it seemed to work out pretty well, but uh, I definitely want to give him some praise, you know, for trying it during regular season and you know putting a starter in there, putting Andrew Kashner in uh, in the lineup today, and using him yesterday to get that save in extras. So um, just hey, good for him trying something new. I feel like he's been kind of in a little bit of a rut and uh, sticking to what is quote safe you know, uh, for a while. And, uh, I like seeing a manager take some risk and I feel like that's what he did. Yeah. And he made a kind of a, a swift move to take Barnes out of, I think the second game, uh, late, he brought him in, I think for the last out in the seventh inning and was going to try to ride him through the eighth inning. And, he gave up a hit or a walk right away, and then Cora just zipped him and went with Josh Taylor, and uh, you know who went on to uh, get out of the inning. And so I'm kind of glad he didn't kind of burn himself there. And you know, decent uh, decent move. Uh, any thoughts uh-huh. on on Cora, L? I mean, nothing that's already been said. I mean, it's nice to see Cora actually getting back to 2018 form where he was pushing a lot of right buttons. And I would have never had Andrew Kashner close that game. I despise Andrew Kashner. If you want to hear how mad I get on Andrew Kashner, go listen to the latest Legends Lingo episode because I go on a tirade on him. But you know what? It worked out. You got a series win with Kashner getting you a save in that second game of the series. And then 
coming back out today and being a part of the bullpen day. So good for you, Cora. Pulled some uh, pulled some good strings this series. Well, all right, uh, Al. Who is your hero for the series? I mean, this is going to be a no doubt one, but uh, Rafael Devers. I mean, going nine for fourteen in the series, going six for six last night, four doubles, three RBIs, going two for four again today with a home run. I mean, Devers has just been on fire this whole season. And a lot of people say that if the Red Sox were in playoff contention, actual playoff contention, and not this, oh my God, they might have a shot at second wild card contention, then you're looking at a guy that might have a case even for an MVP, American League MVP. That's how good of a season he's had. And this Indian series has just proven that he can really help this Red Sox lineup get going. He's the, one of the toughest outs in Major League Baseball and just has been so consistent all year. You know, you see guys like Vasquez kind of drop off a little bit and, you know, Ben Attendee's had his ups and downs. JD's kind of seemed to figure it out lately. Mookie's come on strong, but um, aside from a guy I'm about to get to, Devers has been a constant all year and... I'm just, is this his ceiling or what is his ceiling? He's just so fun to watch. And I, let, let me ask you this question. Who's your higher, who's your highest priority this season in terms of locking up to a long-term deal? Is it Devers or is it Mookie? Has to be Devers. No, I mean, Mookie hasn't said that he wants to be here long-term and you have a guy that's 22 that is hitting the absolute crap out of the ball and is getting better defensively. I don't care. He made an error the other night. Like, I don't care about that. He's getting better defensively. And Mookie's in the last year. I believe he's in the last year of his uh, of his deal, like going into arbitration or whatever it is. And then, you know, he could be gone. So and he could be even traded this offseason, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But you ha- I think you'd have to go Devers in this situation, no? I, well, I think it's the most realistic you know, I mean, Mookie keeps shutting down negotiations, and I think we might have waited maybe one season too long before they got serious with trying to extend Mookie. I mean, the earliest known talks, I think, were right after the 2016 season. So I think I think you, you try to strike with Devers early while there's still enough incentive, and that would absolutely be my number one priority this off season. Al, I want to know why you don't think he would be in contention for MVP this year, regardless of the playoff hope. You know, I mean, he's been amazing. I feel like he's the best third baseman. Most people didn't know about until like maybe most fans don't even still know about, you know, when you, if you say Rafael Devers, like most people that aren't Sox fans or, you know, even, people that are fans within the division at least I'll, I'll give those fan bases they probably know who it is but anybody else they they probably aren't even gonna you know think twice about you know that name but you know just to look at his numbers I mean he's neck and neck with Trout and Bogey's right there too you know for that matter why why wouldn't he be in contention now I feel like he's because he's not. because you just said it Liz you said the name his name is Michael Trout and he wins the MVP almost every year I know oh. you hate to say it and no, I know, because I'm with you. Oh, he's, Trout is awesome. I love, I love yeah. Trout. Oh, Trout's Trout the, is... he's the best. He's the face of the MLB. That's what he yeah. is. He's the face yeah. of the game, and that's why he's just going to win the MVP again. It doesn't matter about going to the playoffs. It doesn't matter about any of that. Mike Trout has proven that, and I think Trout's just going to win again this year. 
And I think if the Red Sox had a little bit better of a record because the Red Sox are expected to go somewhere every year, the Angels are not. So I think that plays a little bit of part of it. It shouldn't, but I think it really does. But but at the same time, it's writers that vote on it. It's not fans. Familiarity is great, and playoffs are great, but it's only the regular season that counts, if I'm not mistaken. And also, like, Trout has been awesome for forever. And sure, if if his numbers blow everybody else out of the water, I mean, it's obvious. He's, he's going to get it, and he deserves it. He's amazing. But Devers is the story. And if writers are writing about Devers, then he's going to be more top of mind. That's who needs to know who he is as the writers. Not so much the fans, but I think the fans are doing themselves a disservice by not knowing about him, just right. personally. And I also think that defensively, it hurts Devers a little bit too because he's not that gold-glove caliber third baseman yet, and Mike Trout's a gold-glove caliber outfielder. So I think that bumps up his case even more. Um, again, it's unfortunate, mm-hmm. but that's mm-hmm. just, I think, how writers view it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Trout has uh, 14 more home runs uh, than uh, Devers does, and it looks like he's got, uh, no, actually, they're they're pretty even, uh, you know, across the board in a lot of things, but it's really the home runs that that, uh, separate uh, the two players, and I, it's and, just and it, 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 it just comes down to who would you rather start a team with? Would you rather start a team with Mike Trout or would you rather start with Devers? Right now, I'm taking Trout every time. Simple, simple, simple decision. I think. Yeah, consistent. I mean, that's true, but I don't know. I don't I'd know. love to see Devers. How you feel? Oh, about I love Devers. I love Devers too. He's proven <laughs> me wrong this year. He has proven me wrong. Devers has a four and a half or Trout seven and a half. So. You know, and I know that's a stat that a lot of the uh, writers look at, you know, and for others it might not be the be-all and end-all. But I just, you have to give the edge right now to Trout, and that's the boring pick because, as as Al says, he's always, you know, up there. With the exception of 2018, last season, he finished fourth overall before that. Every single season, including his rookie season, he's been top two. So it, it gets boring, and you want to consider these other guys. And, you know, I, I could sit here and be a homer and just, you know, make the case for Devers, but got to go Trout. Well, I'm definitely not a homer, and <laughs> yeah. I, I could totally I could totally <laughs> see, see him winning, and, and I, I don't know. I'll keep my fingers crossed for him, but I, I, of course, can't hate if Trout wins either. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a class act for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so uh, my hero for the series is just another common, you know, pick. I, I have to go with him. Uh, Xander Bogarts hit two home runs today. Seven for fifteen on the series, just basically doing what he's been doing all season long, and you know he's been the only other constant, basically other than Devers on this Red Sox team, and continues to get better and better every year. I mean, coming into the season, I thought he was a a top five or six shortstop. Al, where would you rate him now at this point? God, that's tough. 
Yeah, I mean, Correa's been out for a while, and he's so injury-prone. I, I think he's got a drop on the list. Bogarts, you have to... God. I'm actually struggling. Liz, I want to hear yours first, because I, I'm sort of torn with this question. What? I'm sorry, I totally missed the question. <laughs> like, where does Bogarts day. rank, like, in oh, terms God. of shortstops? I mean... Is he top one or two, top three or four? Like, where do you put him? Oh, man. Because, um, I mean, Lindor is the obvious one uh, that you still have to put above Bogarts, even if he was injured. You know, I mean. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was I was going to say, I got Lindor one and Bogarts two. But Lindor, I just, I've always had a, I've always loved Lindor, just the way he plays the game. The way he fields at shortstop, can steal bases, hit for average, hit for the occasional power. He, I just think he's all around the best shortstop in the game. So Bogarts is going to be number two for me, though. Yeah, I and I don't know where Baez is playing. I know he's been a second baseman for uh, much of the last few years, but you know, if he were a shortstop, you know, he he would he could make a case, I guess, for second overall and. I think, um, is it Fernando Tatis, the uh, Padres prospect, is going to be an absolute phenom. <laughs> oh, he's going to be a stud. Yeah. He's going to be an absolute stud. Yeah, but I'd say worst case, top two or three for Bogarts. And it's crazy how it, it took him a while to get to this point. He's always had the potential, and he's always kind of, you know, quietly – you know, played a solid role on that Red Sox roster. But, I mean, these last two seasons, and especially this one, he's really, you know, become the player we, we thought he was going to be, you know, not long after making his debut. Because he, he was one of our more hyped prospects, you know, five or six years ago. Well, it's funny, just since obviously I was like zoned out there for a minute, so I apologize. I just brought up uh, what ESPN has ranked uh, as far as shortstop goes in, and they have uh, AL and NL mixed, so they have uh, I, how do you pronounce it? Tatis, Tatis. I'm not Tatis. sure. I'm from Tatis. San Diego. Tatis. Okay, yeah, he's he's got he's number one. Bogart's number two. They have Lindor number three. That's that's just wrong. That's just flat out wrong. I'm sorry. That's wrong. Awful. Awful take by ESPN. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess they're going off, I mean, just looking at the numbers that, that they're showing here, um, I'm assuming the main things they're looking at, I mean, uh, Bogarts has 27 home runs. Lindor only has 20. Uh, he Bogarts has uh, 90 RBIs. Lindor, 51. Uh, stolen bases. Lindor blows them out of the water. <laughs> Lindor has 18. Bogey only has four. <laughs> um, just curious, Liz. Who's four and five? Four is uh, Jorge Polanco and on the Twins, and five is that Trey Turner on the Trey Turner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. And then uh, Jose Iglesias on the Reds is number six. That's interesting. That's wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right, all right. I don't even want to hear this list anymore. Like, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, they have bias. They have bias number nine. So. Oh, right. Okay. All right. Stop right there. 
They're going to tell me that Javi Baez is not better right now than Jose Iglesias. Are you serious? Like, is this list for real? And I'm not blaming you, Liz, obviously. But, oh, like, oh, yeah. yeah. Is, 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 is this list, like, legit? I, I, I mean, if they're just comparing numbers in general, I mean, I guess, because that, that must be yeah. it. But, oh, uh, I mean, they're oh. just looking at, yeah. yeah so. Oh, my God. Can we move on from this? Because this is just going to drive me up a wall. Like, my gosh. <laughs> well, we're going to get into the part where we are kind of driven up the wall. So, getting into zeros now. Uh, go ahead, Liz. All right, my my zero is uh, actually the same as my hero, which I know is really weird, Alex Cora. Um, and uh, the, the the main reason for that is the exact opposite of why I chose him for my hero is uh, in game two. So annoying, you know. Sale was in there in the sixth, and he had that uh, he had that home run hit off him. He was clearly frustrated, and I don't know if it was his decision or if Cora said, you know, hey, you're going to sit out, and then Sale insisted on going back out. I like to think that's not what happened, and of course, the manager has the final say anyway, but Sale should not have gone back out in the seventh and uh, and everything. Horrible decision. Um, maybe the safe one, because who knows, you know, it, it could have been blown up with the bullpen at that point, but um, also in that game is when he made that decision to put Kashner in. So, um, I just think, you know, maybe, maybe that point you know him putting sail in and realizing that was a bad decision and then making the more innovative decision by using that starter in the end of the game uh could be a turning point for maybe we'll see better decisions coming out of Cora, you know moving forward but um i just think that was classic sucky him so alex cora (laughs) uh al any thoughts Again, Liz pretty much nailed everything on the head. I mean, for as good as Cora made most of the decisions during the series, there were some questionable ones. Again, could not believe Andrew Kashner was actually in a closing situation. My head was about to explode, and I was about to turn off the game thinking the game was over. But you know what? Ended up working out. What Was it the decision I would have made? No. But that's why I'm not managing in the big leagues right now. So there you go. Yeah, I just feel like there's no need to really tax sale with these late innings. And I wouldn't have brought him out for the seventh. I mean, the season is lost. Like, is that where you're at, Al? Or do you are you clinging to the slim possibility, you know, we could climb back in it? I'm pretty much on... Um on the side of this season's over, look forward to 2020. But if by some chance they can pull off a stretch where they win, you know, seven, eight in a row and you get the Rays or whoever to lose like three or four of those games or, you know, even the A's, then you have a shot. But I'm pretty much right now thinking ahead to uh, 2020 and getting ready for Pat season. Not going to lie. Yeah. Well, I, the reason why I, I mentioned that is uh, why is he leaving sale in so long? I mean, two outs into the seventh inning. And then I think his start before this against the Angels was an eight inning uh, performance. So like, why? I mean, why are we taxing I, him? I, I think it's that. So I'll agree with you that he shouldn't have left sale in the other night for the third time up against Lindor. Even I said to myself, this is not a good decision. Get him out of the game right now and just do it. Do what you can to try to win that game. But I think, honestly, Terry, 
and this might be the eternal optimist in me because I love Chris Sale because Chris Sale is like my guy that he's probably the guy I love most on that Red Sox team. I think he's starting to find something right now, and it might be too little too late, but he's starting to find his groove a little bit, especially with the velo coming up and his slider breaking how it used to, getting ahead more and finishing batters more than he was earlier on in the season. So maybe he, maybe Cora realizes that that's the Red Sox' best chance is when Sale is on. I, I guess I just, I just rather save him is my thing, and um, yeah, and so unrelated to Sale, with this season not going great, you know we're we're gonna miss the playoffs. What if by next July we're kind of in the same boat? Should Alex Cora at that point be on the hot seat, especially if there's been some questionable decision-making? By hot seat, do you mean thinking about getting rid of him? Well, maybe. I'm not saying it'll definitely happen or it necessarily should happen, but... You know, I mean, you, you'll have two seasons that were stark contrasts from that magical 108-win season. And, I mean, at you know, by this time next year, I mean, what's real? So, so here's the thing with this, and I'm sure you two both know this because you're both ecstatic Red Sox fans like myself. Uh-huh. A, a, guy, a guy that uh, we all loved at first, but then grew to hate. His name is, uh, oh, I don't know, John Farrell. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, won a, he won a World Series back in 2013. I, am I correct on that? He did. Okay. How many years did he end up staying with the Red Sox after that? Let's see. It was it was four, but I do yep. believe, yep. I, I steadfastly believe getting cancer in 2015 kind of saved his job, at least for 2016, and I don't know why he came back. For 2017, but but right, but, but but here's the thing, Terry. They win in 2013. They go to last in 2014. They're probably thinking in the front office, okay, it was a bad season, you know, whatever. We still have the pieces. We'll buy whatever we have to get to try to win 2015. 2015, obviously, his cancer comes back. Fine, they give him a pass. 2016 should have been the season that, no matter what happened. He got fired if they didn't produce. But because they went back to the playoffs, they gave him an extra year to say, okay, we're back to the playoffs. Maybe we have a shot at actually winning this thing if we bring in some guys. Sure enough, they bring in a guy like Chris Sale, but they still don't get past the first round. And then to mark his incredible tenure in Boston, he gets thrown out the last game he ever manages. So my point being is that with Alex Cora, he's a fit in the clubhouse. Everybody loves him. The organization loves him. The fans love him. Well, most of the fans love him. So he just won the World Series in his first year. They're having a down year this year. If they have a little bit of a slower start next year, I don't think he's on the hot seat till the following year, is my point. The 2021 season, I think, if it comes around again, yes, he could very well be on the hot seat. Not next season, though. And you could very well be right. You could very well be right. The one thing you, you mentioned here is he's good in the clubhouse. That's kind of one of my concerns because – I don't know that he's holding players accountable, especially as veterans. And I'm wondering if that's, 
you know, if that's a problem here, that Brad Osmus had that problem in Detroit. They said he was just one of the boys, and you you go back to that 2014 playoff season where they had acquired David Price mid-season to go with the reigning Cy Young winner, who was Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, who hadn't had that skid yet. And then you're adding David Price to that rotation. And he didn't really have, like, the weight of the world wasn't on his shoulders yet. You know, that came the following season with Toronto. But they had the three most recent Cy Young winners, and they got swept in three games in the ALDS by the Baltimore Orioles. And Osmus was just another one of the guys. So I guess that's my primary concern with Alex Cora. When I when I see the bullpen management, I, I sometimes I'll question it, but it's not like I'm not seeing incompetence like I saw with Farrell. And, you know, the I think he kind of rests guys a little too much, but, you know, that might just be one of my things. But the accountability is what concerns me because I don't know that guys are getting held accountable. So, so who would you rather have as your type of manager, Terry? Would you rather have a John Farrell type? Farrell type, whatever. I See, I don't even want to say his last name. <laughs> John Farrell type or an Alex Cora type if you had your choice? I'd love a Francona type, to be honest with you. And no, 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 no! You can't cop out of this. You got to pick Farrell. You got to pick Cora. But that is a nice, that is a nice cop out. I will give you that. But you have to pick one of the two. I mean, I think Alex Cora is head and shoulders above Farrell, yeah, especially in terms of on-field management. I mean. Go back to the 2016 playoffs with Farrell. It was game two with David Price on the mound. We had lost game one with Porcello, and that was a close game just by like one run. But Price was scuffling big time. And then pudgy Mike Napoli stole second base just straight up on David Price. And at that moment, I knew we were done. I knew he was going to get outmanaged by Francona. Farrell was. And I knew we were done. And then you go back to last season – the way Cora, you know, staggered the rotation into the bullpen, and instead of having them throw their normal side sessions, he said, "Okay, you're going to pitch the eighth inning tonight, or or whenever it was." And I just I thought Cora was showing high IQ there, so I'm not questioning that. I'm not questioning that. It's the accountability. But if I have to pick between the two. I'm I'm still going to go with Cora. And I don't know if I told you this, but we're on episode 160 right now. The first 20, 25 episodes of this podcast, the name of the podcast was the Fire Feral Podcast. I, I think I remember that. <laughs> I remember that surprisingly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And that email is actually still the official email, you know, for, for this podcast. But, um, but yeah, so... I, I have to go there, but I love Francona. I mean, this is an extreme scenario, but when Bauer came out of what ended up being his last game and he threw that ball over the fence, you saw Francona get in his face and be like, you know, what the hell are you doing? I think he actually used the F word. And 
I think Francona can kind of quietly be tough behind the scenes and, and, you know, and get on players for certain things. You know, Dustin Pedroia gave an example where he foolishly tried to take second base and uh, it might have been in the playoffs in 07 and he got gunned down and Manny Ramirez was the guy at the plate, you know, and who, who wouldn't you want, you know, other than maybe Poppy, you know, if you're on base and, and Francona was like, why did you do that? Look who was at the plate. He might have driven you in or it might have gone over the fence and you would have come in. And I just, he's the greatest manager of my lifetime, I, I would say. Another guy I liked and I think is doing a good job with a not so good uh, roster is, is Tori Lovello. <laughs> you know, so I think he's got that perfect balance. The, what I want to see with Alex Cora, and I'll wrap my take up with this. What I want to see from Cora is I want to see a tweet get leaked by Rob Bradford or John Tomasi that Alex Cora destroyed his office and then got in the face of someone. You know, whether it's David Price or Andrew Benintendi or, or whoever. Then I'll be like, okay, he's doing it. He's holding them accountable. But I just haven't seen it yet. He's called out Devers early in the season for his bad defense. I think he did the same with Rodriguez. Those are young guys. It's easier to do it with those guys. Not so easy to do it with Sale or Price. And those are my thoughts on Cora. All right. Let's move who, on. Who knew the can? Who knew the can of worms I'd be opening? Yeah. Well, it was good. All your fault, Liz. All your fault, Liz. It's all your fault. <laughs> um, Al, leave, it, leave go, it to the race band to do that. <laughs> uh, go ahead, uh, Al, uh, with your uh, zero. I mean, I, I can't follow that. That was just wow. That was that was something. Uh, so for my zero, I'm going to make it real quick. I'm going with Brandon Workman. Because Workman was seen as the guy with the most realistic chance of being a decent closer for this team. And sure enough, what did he do the other night? Blew another save. I think that was the Red Sox at the time. It was like their 22nd or 23rd blown save on the year. If you're going to have this no-closer thing or whatever, and you're not going to go out and get one at the deadline, which I'm sure you've covered exclusively and in detail... But if, if that's going to be the case, Workman, you got to go out there, you got to get the job done. And I'm not going to feel confident or as confident now knowing that he can blow a save as easy as he did the other night. So that's my zero. And that's a good one. And you can usually tell by the first or second batter whether or not he has it. He doesn't typically give up a ton of hits necessarily, but he'll walk people. One way or the other, they do get on base. And you can just see him not quite as composed. And I'm thinking, well, this is just going to be one of his rougher outings. And I think in a perfect scenario, he's more of a situational guy that will come in sometimes in the seventh, sometimes in the eighth, you know, depending on you know, who's pitched a lot lately or whatever. And I, I just think that's the best situation for him. I don't see him being a closer next season, uh, you know, for the bulk of the season. And we have him under contract. I think next year will be his uh, walk year. So wherever he goes from here, whether he stays in Boston or ends up on another team, I don't think it's going to be as a closer, but I do think he's a pretty valuable, you know, late inning guy. Love him in the late innings. Don't think he's closer material long-term. 
We'll see what happens. And uh, speaking of Farrell, remember when he sent Workman up to the plate with, like, I think a runner in scoring position and two outs in the World Series? Remember when he had uh, Stephen Wright pinch run in Los Angeles and basically destroyed his career? Yeah. Hasn't been the same since. (laughs) Absolutely. And and then he was forced to do steroids, but that's a can of worms. Uh, Liz, any thoughts on Workman? Yeah, no more worms, Gary. Uh, not really. I mean, I, to be honest, like I was trying to watch the games and I was like, man, I really need to pick somebody else for my hero or my, or, you know, I needed to do something different, uh, which is why I went with Cora and Cora. Um, and I wanted to pick somebody from the bullpen because I never do. And they just don't do it for me. None of them. I mean, all of them are just not good. I mean, I, I liked seeing Kashner in there. Maybe that's his place. I was actually going to ask you guys about that uh, when we talk about the uh, contract situation. But, um, but uh, yeah, nobody does it for me. They're definitely, we've been talking about it all, all year and even before the year started, that uh, the bullpen was the concern and they've done nothing but prove us right. So, yeah, no more, no more thoughts. All right. Um, I really don't know who to go with here. And, uh, you know, I nobody was terrible, really, other than Leon. And I'm not going to bash him because, you know, we know he's going to be terrible. But, you know, he catches one or two times through the rotation. Uh, you know, I guess officially I, I'll go with Erod, but I don't think that's fair either because he's been our most consistent guy for the most part. You know, he was kind of nibbling a little bit, wasn't efficient throughout the start. His start before this wasn't super great either. He was charged with uh, five earned runs in the uh, first game of this Indian series and, uh, you know, just kind of slipping a little bit. But he's kind of carried this rotation at times, and (laughs) I, you know, I don't know. But... He's he's the only uh, he's the only viable candidate, really. I feel like he's probably just another victim of the Red Sox roller coaster, which is what I was going to say about Sale. Like he'll do good, great, great, you know, one, two, three out in couple, and then it's like back down again. That's just how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get into this next segment here, uh, Al, I just want to just get your thoughts because you haven't been on since this kind of became a semi-hot topic. Is Dombrowski gone at the end of the year in your mind? Absolutely he is. This guy needs to go. The Red Sox need new blood in that position. I think that, honestly, this trade deadline sort of screwed him. He didn't go out and make a deal because he, he thought this team wasn't good enough to win a World Series. So absolutely, get him out of Boston. Thank you for 2018, but get me somebody that wants to win every single year. Get me J.P. Riccardi. Go get me Theo Epstein if you can. Hell, go try for Billy Bean again. But get Dombrowski out of here, please. For the love of God, get him out. Yeah, and next year is the last year of his deal. And, and John Henry said before this season started, it doesn't make a ton of sense to let your GM go into a lame duck season without a contract. So that's kind of ominous. Dan Shaughnessy had an article, I think, last week where he says Dombrowski has kind of isolated himself from much of the front office and ownership and only hangs out with Tony La Russa 
and Frank Wren. So those are kind of telltale signs that this could be it for him. So uh, we're going to get into a segment here. Uh, I'm going to call it Will They Stay or Will They Go? And there's uh, we're going to cover a lot of the guys that are going to be free agents, but we will discuss a couple of uh, trade scenarios. So we'll get into the expiring free agent uh, contracts first. And again, will they stay or will they go? So go ahead, Liz. Why don't you start taking us through it? Definitely, definitely. Contracts, not my strong point, so I'm glad you guys are uh, going to be talking about it. So let's let's start from the top. Let's start with Rick Porcello. It looks like uh, his contract was four years, $82 million. Yeah, and that's, that's expiring. And uh, Al, go ahead. Uh, where do you expect him to be or not be? <laughs> I expect him to not be a Red Sox next year, plain and simple. I think the Red Sox pretty much locked up. Actually, no, I don't think. I know they locked up guys like Chris Sale and Nathan Evaldi and David Price long-term. You have Eduardo Rodriguez that can be your number four next year. You don't need Porcello. And anyways, if you wanted to sign Porcello, maybe give him a one-year deal because he's on the every-other-year train. So this year he's not that good, and next year maybe he'll be great. So if you want to sign him to a one-year deal, fine. But I don't think they're going to do that. So he's not going to be a Red Sox next year. He's going to go elsewhere. I expect him to go to like the National League or something like that next year. He's not going to be a Red Sox next year. Let's call it like it is. No way. Yeah, and the one scenario that's been kicked around is maybe he gets the qualifying offer, which will be a one-year, $18 million deal. And I'm really kind of done with him. I'm, I'm just kind of sick of him altogether. And it is concerning. I, I know that every other year thing, you know, he was good in 16 and 18, not so much in 15, 17 and 19. And so, you know, next year being an even numbered year, you know, he might, he might be pretty solid, but he should be solid this year in his walk year. He should be going out there start after start making his case, you know, to not only, you know, sign a new contract, but to be valued. And we're not seeing that right now. The one thing that does concern me is I can't see anybody in the farm system coming up, you know, to necessarily be a starter. Well, maybe Tanner Houck, but... That, that's about it. That would be risky, I think, to kind of put your eggs in that basket. With the bullpen, we put the eggs, you know, in the Barnes Brazier basket and it, it just it was it was a gamble and it could have worked, but it ultimately didn't. And with sale, you know, he did have injuries last year, not so much this year. What's price gonna be at thirty five years old? Evaldi Feltman too. Don't forget Durbin Feltman too, down well, there in the farm system. He's a reliever though. Well, you had mentioned relievers too. You had mentioned the bullpen, so that's why. I had oh yeah, I, I that was I I went that route just to talk about a, a you know a way in which we gambled and it it just kind of burnt us, but um but yeah so I just I worry about depth a little bit and 
And unfortunately, the Red Sox aren't like the Houston Astros or the Cleveland Indians or the Los Angeles Dodgers or even the Tampa Bay Rays where they're just really good. They have good pitching programs and they can develop these guys. The Red Sox aren't that type of organization. We can't go get Wade Miley like the Astros did and turn him into like a a 290 ERA guy. Granted, only five or six innings you know, per appearance, but... Very solid. We're not that organization, and we haven't drafted a homegrown ace since John Lester in 2002. So uh, next year will be the 18th year, you know, since we've done that, which is mind-boggling. But I don't want him. I just wish there was an obvious alternative, and unfortunately, uh, I just don't see one. And I'm really torn over over it, but. I, you know, so you just got to hope that all the guys we do have are, are pretty stout, you know, throughout the season. But Liz, any thoughts on Porcello? Uh, I mean, not really. One year, 18 million, that would really be on the table. Well, I mean, if you give him the qualifying offer, he has to take it because if if another team were to sign him after the Red Sox gave him that offer – they would have to give us a draft pick, and they're not going to do that for Rick Porcello. They wouldn't do it for Kimbrell or Keiko, so certainly not for Porcello. And uh-huh. that would just be the way to guarantee that he stays. And I think Porcello knows the situation. He knows he's not going to get, you know, three years, $60 million. He knows that's not on the table. So um, I don't know. I mean, I guess the only way it could conceivably happen is if he finds something in his next several starts and just goes on a tear, which is unlikely. Mm-hmm. But that's, I think, his only only real scenario here. Uh, any more thoughts, Al, before we... No, I'm, I'm good. We okay. can move on. Yeah. Who's next, Liz? Uh, all right. Next, next up... Mitch Moreland, two years, thirteen million. All yours, uh, uh, that Oh, is... sorry. It's storming like hell here in Tampa. So uh, if I do cut it in and out, that's probably why. No, no, I said it's no. all else. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I thought you said I cut out. Maybe I cut no. out myself. Sorry about that. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, ugh. this is so tough because with Moreland, you get a steady glove. Get a left-handed bat, obviously, in the lineup, but I just don't see him in a Red Sox uniform next year either. I think he literally hit his peak at the beginning of the year when he started out hot as a firecracker. He came out and he was the Red Sox best hitter for like the first month. Then he gets hurt, and now he comes back and he's back to being marginal at best. So I don't know. I just don't see Moreland being around next year. I think they want to try to go younger at first base. I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they make a run at a guy like Jose Abreu in the offseason, but I don't see Moreland coming back. I agree, and I mean, $6 million doesn't seem like a lot, but you know, if they trim some of these guys out, like Porcello, if he doesn't come back, that's $20 million off the books. Uh, Moreland was 6 and a half per year, so you know, a little bit there. And I, you know, a lot of people are going to want Moreland back, you know, just because they like him. He's a good clubhouse guy. And, you know, he's a great defensive player, like you mentioned. But, 
you could possibly have Bobby Dahlbeck, who was recently promoted to AAA, and he'll probably get a September call-up, you know, as well. So he'll get a cup of coffee up here anyway. And I think if if he does pretty good, and I don't know if he'll end up playing, you know, in the Arizona Fall League, you know, or whatnot, but um, or or winter ball somewhere else, but. He's a potential option. I think Sam Travis is starting to show you something. So maybe you see a platoon there. Uh, Chavis, obviously, you know, depending on how the cards at second base fall, could be your primary first baseman. So there's a lot of internal options. And if worse comes to worse, you can go get a Moreland-type guy at some point, you know, before the trade deadline. So... I think they just move on with him and just kind of ride our younger, cheaper talent, you know, with whatever combination they feel is best. Clear out the old guys. I'm definitely for that. And he's definitely injury prone too. So, you know, just another risk and bringing him back. But agreed. Who's uh, who's next? Uh, next up, Steve uh, Pierce. One year, six million. Basically the same as Moreland, except for he was amazing last year. And hasn't he been hurt like all this year? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. he has been. Yeah. Uh, I I hate to you know sound like a broken record, but I think Pierce is gone too. I think they're clearing house with all the older options at first base. Like I said, they want to go younger. And like Terry said, you can go maybe a Bobby Dalback and bring him up and see what he can do. Maybe he can be a September call-up and you can see what he can do. But I don't see Pierce and I don't see Moreland, either of them in the Red Sox uniform next year. Obviously, Steve Pierce, thanks for your contributions in the 2018 World Series. But that's what you're going to be remembered by, and that's not a bad way to go out. It's unfortunate he got hurt. He's not going to be around next year. No way. And he's probably one of the most unlikely World Series MVPs of all time. And great story, but next year will be his age 37 season. He's been injured all of this year. And a lot of Red Sox fans don't realize he was actually injured for most of the first half of 2018. The Blue Jays activated him. I think he played for like two or three weeks, and then the Red Sox acquired him. And Fortunately, he had a pretty good run of health, you know, throughout the second half of the season, you know, all the way through the playoffs. And, you know, so we, we lucked out there. But, you know, like like Al just said and, and Liz, you got to part ways with some of these guys. And, you know, you can't always you can't always build your team with your heart. You got to use your head and. I think Pierce is is probably the biggest no-brainer on this list. I, I think he's gone. Well, how would you guys feel? So they so they let go of Porcello, Moreland, and Pierce, and probably some others. And they do start filtering in, you know, the younger talent. And you guys suck next year, you know, because once you start bringing in, you know, young kids like that, it may or may not work out. They may be awesome. They may not. You know, they may just have, you know, that year of growing pains, you know, kind of a thing uh, when they're getting used to being in the league. I mean, how would you feel about a situation like that? Like, go ahead and just see what the young kids can do and then, you know, maybe make some trades, maybe not, you know. Well, it is precarious to kind of 
relies so much on young talent. I, I think more and more teams are doing that, especially in the last few years. But but also with these three specifically, Porcello, Moreland, Pierce, they're not really impact guys. Porcello could probably help you the most out of the three. But I just feel like they, they can still address needs, you know, before July 31st. So... I, th- I think they're content to wing it. And and Al could be right. I mean, maybe they do go for an Abreu-type guy, and, you know, that, that ends up being part of the solution. Wouldn't hate it. Definitely wouldn't hate seeing Jose Abreu in a Red Sox uniform next year. Mm-hmm. Nope. He's not super young either, but at least he's still producing solidly, and I don't think he's as injury-prone either. Right, absolutely. Oh. Not not righty. All right. Next next up, Andrew Kashner. Two years, sixteen million. Al, we know you hate him. <laughs> Go, Terry. Right, you want me to lead off? Well, my first thought <laughs> is we're lucky. We already know Al hates him. He's already said it like a ton of times. So oh. why even touch? Well, we'll why even touch him? We'll <laughs> give him his <laughs> not, not wrong. We'll give him his two cents anyway, but I the one fortunate thing for not making the playoffs here is we don't have to run the risk of Kashner having three brilliant starts or appearances and then getting a four-year, $68 million contract. So that's not going to happen. Um, and not that he was you know, pitching that way anyway, but um, he's gone. I mean, he's barely been a, a bottom-of-the-rotation guy the last few years. He was having... A, a solid first half and especially against the the American League East and admittedly I thought if we were going to have to go the poor man's route then you know I was a proponent of of uh bringing in Kashner Zach Wheeler was my my first choice of the five we previewed right before the deadline but then Kashner was my second and um just been a complete dud <laughs> and he did close as uh, Al was at pains to point out the other night, and uh, he seemed to be amped up by it. Like he seemed to enjoy that moment, but nonetheless, I don't think the Red Sox will be investing in him. He'll probably be a Mariner or maybe even an Oriole again, or any place but Boston. But Al, go ahead, tear him apart. <laughs> He stinks. He can't pitch in the Boston market. So my only two words for him is he's gone. He gone. That's it. <laughs> he's gone. I, I don't know. I I like Kashner. I forget where I had him ranked. I guess I could go back and look at my notes if I really wanted to. But um, I mean, I liked him because of his. He he seemed like not that great, but not that crappy. Like a little bit of a hey, I'll just absorb some innings. It's not that expensive, you know, kind of a thing. What I'm wondering is, I mean, if Cora ends up using him not really as a starter, you know, for the rest of the season, if that's his plan, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, who knows, why not turn him into something like, maybe not a closer, but why not be that situational guy, that guy that maybe can take on some challenging things, you know, uh, in late innings. You know, in the bullpen. Why not do that? Because he stinks. That's, well, 
but he hasn't sunk in that capacity. Not yet. I mean, it's only been two. So, uh, I mean, that's the, a really small word, sample size. The key, word, been, the key word there is yet. I mean, yet. everyone else is sucking too, though. I mean, that's, today was kind of an Every, uh, today was an anomaly. I mean, uh, I guess Avaldi, you know, got the win in there. But, I mean, if he could help, you know, give something to that bullpen, I feel like he'd be worth a little bit of money. I mean, I don't know what that money would look like or whatever. And, of course, really small sample size. I get it. But it makes me think of uh, Wade Davis. Wade Davis was a starter for the Rays. And then he got traded to... The Royals, I believe, with James Shields, and then, I think, and then they went on to win a World Series, and he was, like, one of the best closers in the game at that point. I have no idea where he is now, unfortunately. I think he's still playing, but I'm not totally sure. I think he's in Milwaukee. I mean, somebody, oh, he's with Milwaukee. Um, But, but, I mean, changing him to the bullpen did him well. Now, other, other starters where that's happened, it's been horrible for him. I feel like it's crushed their soul. But if seeing that energy, I mean, unfortunately, I didn't see him pitch, which is, I hate that. I should have looked it up. But, um, but I mean, if he really had that fire, you know, when he came in in the late innings, maybe that's his place. I don't know. Maybe it's like a power hitter, you know, turning into a DH. It's like JD, you know. He was, he was good before, and he's good now, you know, in this lesser capacity. Uh, Kashner was okay before, you know, maybe he'll get better now, you know, morphing into another position. Who knows? I feel like, you know, with, with a season that probably doesn't matter, why not play with it and see what happens? And if you can get him for not too much money and he seems like he might be an okay piece, you know, to slip there in the bullpen somewhere, why not do it? I think he's got enough season left and I think Cora will... We'll use him out of the bullpen enough. He can kind of make his case for maybe other teams next year to sign him as a semi-viable, you know, late-inning relief guy. But it won't be with the Red Sox, I don't think. You know, so I... Just get him off my team. Get him off my team. I think he looks like he's straight out of Sons of Anarchy with that, you know, half shaven head mullet type type thing. He looks like a biker, dude. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a lum- he looks like a lumberjack that just came out of the woods. Or that. <laughs> Man, I haven't seen him up close in a while. I need to Google him now. <laughs> yeah. Have fun, have fun with that. He's a big burly dude. But that's fine. So uh, a couple of players here that are basically at the end of their rookie deals that will hit free agency for the first time. So who's first out of that group was. Oh, sorry. Let me get out of my images of Andrew Kashner. Uh, <laughs> back to the list. Uh, <laughs> uh, final year of the rookie deals, uh, starting out Brock Holt, uh, 2019, the last year, uh, he's making 3.58 million. Now there's a guy that I want back. Brock Holt needs to be back in a Red Sox uniform. Great clubhouse guy, utility guy that you can put literally anywhere except for pitcher and catcher. You can put him at any position. He's proven that he can hit at the MLB level, and he's hit for the Red Sox. Keep in mind, he was their only all-star in 2015. I know that was four years ago. But still, he made contributions in the playoffs last year, so he's proven recently he can do it. So why not bring him back? 
especially when he's a guy that can help give a guy like Devers or Bogarts or Benintendi or Mookie a day off. I agree. I think it makes perfect sense. He's not going to be a, you know, it's not going to be a very big contract, probably similar to the one Moreland, you know, was on the last couple of years. And, you know, I do have some injury concerns, but, you know, if, if it's only like a two-year deal, three at the most, I'm willing to kind of ride with it and 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 like you said al you can put him anywhere jeremy would say he's a a swiss army knife or whatever you know he's got multiple different uh purposes i will say though if he is not retained you know and they decide to you know if if keeping the young fresh talent is the is the trend for this team if they don't retain him, that's going to be like they're trying to shake things up. Uh, you know, I think would be the primary reason for not bringing him back. And But looking at the list that we've gone over, Porcello, Moreland, Pierce, those are some pretty, you know, pretty big voices in that clubhouse that won't be there anyway. So that, in effect, could be the shakeup as well. So... More likely than not, and probably semi-highly likely, I think Holt comes back for sure. And his war for two seasons in a row, higher than Bryce Harper's. Let that sink in. The Bryce Harper dilemma. I I like Holt too. Um, not that you asked me, but I like him too. Uh, he's he's basically the Red Sox version of my favorite player, uh, who's Ben Zobrist. So I love a good utility guy. I mean, that's probably partially because of uh, the, the team I'm a fan of, and that's kind of what we do. We move people around. You know, nobody or very few have a set position, and and I kind of like that in a guy. You know, somebody who can do something like that. So I hope Holt stays. Uh, just for that reason, I think. You know, he's a he's an asset, you know, in that way, if nothing else. Just a great solid bench guy that you could get for probably not that much. I will add though that there needs to be a clause in the contract, no indoor wiffle ball games with Griffin Holt. Aw, but Griffin Holt's a legend. <laughs> he is, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who All else right. we got? Next. Uh, next up uh, and last on that list is going to be Matt Barnes, one point six million for this year. As long as Matt Barnes is not your closer next year, then by all means, take him back. And this is very big of me because I'm a Matt Barnes hater. I don't like Matt Barnes, but I think he can help this bullpen as long as he's not closing games because his save percentage stunk this year. I think it was just around 50%. I, it might have been lower. It might have been the 40 percentile at one point. But if you can have him as a 7th, 8th inning guy, and he can be okay with that role, accept it, and excel in it, why not bring him back for like a one- or two-year deal? I agree. I mean, I think we're better off with Matt Barnes uh, than we are without him. We have Darwin's and Hernandez up right now, who's kind of going through his you know, growing pains, so to speak. Uh, Travis Lakins at some point should be a viable late-inning guy. And, and as you mentioned earlier, Al, um, 
Durbin Feltman should be up at some point next season. I'm kind of surprised he didn't uh, end up here, uh, you know, this season. He sounded like he was going to be fast-tracked, you know, based on his, his college pedigree there. But, but I, you know, I just feel like if the money's right, if another team, my primary concern is another team might outbid us, and I don't want to have to sign him. He made $1.6 million this year. I don't want to sign him at like five million a year, so to speak. Um, so you know, provided no team gets stupid, you know, with him, I certainly would bring him back because you need depth, and we ultimately don't know what the timetable is for some of those prospects. So um, I, I hope the Red Sox do pursue him, and I, I feel more likely than not he stays. I got nothing to add to that, guys. Want to move on to the next one? Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Sounds good. Uh, the next one is uh, we're asking, you know, do you, do you think they're going to be traded? We're going to start out with uh, JBJ. He's got one year I, remaining on his contract. I want to say yes, but honestly, I'm going to say no. Because if they would have, if they wanted to trade Jackie Bradley Jr., they would have done it by now. There were so many times when his value was much higher than I think it is right now because everybody knows the the scouting report on Jackie Bradley Jr. Great outfielder and covers so much range in center field. But then at the plate, he's so streaky and so inconsistent. And especially when he's going bad, he goes really bad. He chases an off-speed in the dirt pretty much at least 60-70% of the time when I'm watching him. So it, the Red Sox are stuck with him, I think, and it's unfortunate because they could have traded him a long time ago and gotten some value for him. I think there's a chance he could be traded. I don't think he's going to really command a, a significant prospect, probably like a mid-level guy at best, maybe a top 15 type uh, prospect. I think what will ultimately decide whether he does or whether he doesn't is whether or not the Red Sox want to shed another eight or nine million from the payroll or or simply, you know, trade him and then upgrade to, you know, someone that's on the free agency market. So I think it's 50-50. Like that's the most 50-50 candidate of, of anyone we've covered on this list. So it's tough. We don't have a lot of outfield depth, though. You, you'd probably have to convert maybe Chavis or Dahlbeck. I don't know if they'd want to mess with that with Dahlbeck. I know Chavis was taking reps in left field at at one point. I, I don't know, you know if they stuck with it or not. And um, I, Sam Travis has seen some time out there. So if Bradley were to get traded, I, I think Benintendi goes to center at that point and you know so i don't know i guess i'll i'll say i'll lean toward he stays but it's it's the toughest call in in my opinion on this list to to try to pick i think he'll probably end up staying too uh not so much because the socks necessarily want to keep him but they probably won't find any takers for all the reasons that you guys have just laid out but I do think you know when it comes to him getting signed you know next year or the following year 
um, that a team, an unlikely team is going to take him and that he's going to start to be awesome again. Like a lot of times when you see a player kind of dip like that and then they move to another team, it's almost like they just needed a change of scenery, which I know is something that's, you know, unquantifiable, you know, but it, it happened. So, uh, I mean, I could see it happening with a guy like him. If he goes out of his mind, though, and he did earlier in the year, I think in the month of May, you know, that could certainly uh, boost his trade value a little bit. But, you know, remains to be seen for now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, next up, staying in the outfield, Mookie. Of course, uh, he's got one year remaining as well. I think he gets traded. I hate to say it, but because he's not, it's not that he's not willing to commit long term, but he hasn't come out and said, I want to commit to the Red Sox long term. And I think that with Mookie, obviously, you can land an overhaul of prospects. You can maybe get a MLB ready caliber, you know, reliever or whatever you need. And to be honest, with those two factors for me, why not take a chance and trade him? Especially for me, the part about, not wanting to come out and say you want to commit long term, that that just doesn't strike too well with me. I uh, agree. Actually, I, I think they will likely try to trade him. Everybody keeps talking about oh they're going to make one last charge at at re-signing him, and he's not going to come to the table. He's just not, and he's made that very clear. And I think the Bogart signing was a bit of a pivot. You know, they said, all right, let's sign the one guy that does want to stay here and who will be cost of probably about a third of the price. And, you know, so I think he is gone. But I think the unfortunate thing here with the way things are trending, a lot of teams just don't want to deal, you know, high-end prospects or have huge trade packages. You're seeing it less and less with position players, during the July deadlines and where Mookie only has a year left, I think whatever the return on him is, is going to be a lot less than what some people might expect. I mean, you might get one elite prospect and then maybe just a mid to lower level guy, you know, thrown in. I, I just, I don't think it's going to be that massive haul, but I think the Red Sox will do it anyway because, it's better than nothing. You know, they could, the alternative is, okay, keep him through next year. They could trade him in July again, but there probably won't be a market at that point either. And then you simply just let him play out the season and you'll, you'll get a draft pick for him. And, and maybe, maybe they value that the most. I don't know, but I think, I think they take the best deal they can get, uh, you know, this November, December just not going to be you know what what people might expect might as well at this point yeah absolutely and here's another thing too all these moves we've talked about are are probably going to be made by a new gm like we talked about when I, i asked you about dombrowski and a lot of gms probably want to come in and kind of make this you know their team and, you know, have their own imprints on it. You saw Sherrington do it with, 
you know, Napoli, Victorino, Gomes, Uihara, and, you know, made some really good moves. I think that was his second year, but, um, you know, but so be it. And, uh, you know, I, so I, I think, I think a new GM will, will want to come in with his own philosophy and, I think Mookie will definitely uh, get moved. Yeah, I'm feeling like he will, too. I mean, just like you were saying, if if they have a taker and they're going to get a little something for him, why wouldn't they do that? I mean, I don't know that much about the Sox farm system and what they value as far as draft picks go, but, I mean, not that they don't want draft picks. I'm not saying that, but, uh, but I really think they value players that they're going to get more use out of sooner rather than later, and Draft picks can, they're, they're too unknown, you know? I mean, somebody can be a top draft pick and then, you know, fall apart. You know, it doesn't mean, I don't want to say it doesn't mean anything, but uh, they, they want more proven, you know, more proven guys. That's just the type of team I feel like they are. So if they get the right the right offer or, you know, they're, they have their eyes on a guy and the team's willing to part with them, I, I think they'll do it. Why not? Absolutely. So one last uh, area to cover. Yep, last one is going to be, is he going to opt out? And, of course, that's going to be J.D. So I have a, uh, I have a certain source that I've talked to, and uh, there's rumors that uh, J.D.'s actually going to opt in to his deal. So, And I don't blame him because he's wanted to play for the Red Sox since he was a teenager. He's loved the Red Sox. And honestly, if he goes out and tests free agency, is there going to be a team that's going to offer him $25 million a year or more? I don't think so, especially when he's on the side of 30, his back isn't what it used to be, and he's not having as good of a year at the play as he did last year, obviously. So I, I think he would be dumb to not take the opt-in. You're getting $23 million a year. You're getting to play in a big market that has a chance to win it all, potentially next year if things can go right again. So I say he opts in. I'm kind of with you on that one. You know, ideally he would probably love to get a five or six year deal. Ten years ago, he probably gets that deal. But I think we can rule out the entire National League, you know, because there's no DH and he's got the injury concerns that you've mentioned, Al. And I I think he's just going to be all that much more injury prone as a corner outfielder. So I don't think... I don't think a, a National League team takes a chance on him at big money. So then come over to the American League, the Yankees aren't going to do it. They're already over the luxury tax and they they're going to want to they're going to want to bring back Judge and probably Sanchez on on big deals and maybe even Gregorius for all I know. I mean, he's a free agent after this year. So so the Yankees just aren't a fit. I don't think the Astros are. That's not the type of business they've been doing. And they awkwardly let him go anyway, you know, to where he eventually ended up in Detroit and became a superstar, won a championship in Boston. But they they make the value signings when it comes to position players. And they might still be kind of prioritizing maybe a future Springer contract anyway. And uh, but they they'll go with the Brantleys of the world, so I don't think JD fits their um, plans. And then who's really left? I mean, is Oakland going to give him a four or five year deal? I doubt it. The Rays don't make those kind of deals. the The two dark horse teams that could do it are 
the Twins and, and possibly the White Sox if they feel like they might be on the verge of contending. But to opt out and walk away from $60 million to kind of pin your hopes on the White Sox or the Twins, that's a huge risk. And he's going to look really stupid if he doesn't get that money. So I think he opts in and just goes the safest route, you know, you know, which is that. So I say he opts in as well. I really don't know. I, I can't say that I have any strong feeling one way or the other. I mean, I, I don't think he necessarily wants to be here just from what little I've heard. You know, he's weighing out his options and I get it. Um, but I think he's, he's an old guy with really one use. I say, see ya, you know, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. But I kind of hope he does stay. I I think, you know, I trust he'll be relatively healthy, you know, over the course of the next three years. And I'd rather take my chances, you know, in doing that than sign a a stupid 10-year deal, you know, for for anyone not named uh, Raphael Devers. For Devers, I would do it, you know. And I'd give Benintendi an extension, too. I, I think... This year's an anomaly, and you know, I I don't know if I'd go ten years on him, but a six or eight year deal for Benintendi would probably be, you know, okay, you know, as long as the money wasn't stupid. But uh, Al, any final thoughts? Uh, we won't keep you around for the uh, the Orioles talk. I know you wanted to get going. Eh, if you so. As far as the Orioles series, I'm just going to say one thing. What is it, a four-game series or a three-game series? Three-game series, right? I believe it is three. All right. So, actually, I'm going to the game on Friday, so hopefully they actually show up for that game. That'd be great. But as far as the Orioles series, you have to sweep because it's the Baltimore Orioles. You lost two out of three of them when you played them at Camden Yards. And it would just be an embarrassment, especially after being such a good Indians team that's competing for the AL Central, two out of three at Jacobs Field. At, um, sorry, not Jacobs Field. <laughs> that was their old field. Uh, I, I'm remembering the old Progressive days. field. For, yeah, progressive. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. But, yeah, you got to beat the Orioles. And as far as this team goes, I'm still going to watch them, hopefully, you know, a good amount. But, it's, like I said, especially with Patriots season around the corner and – you know, with the Red Sox just not being the same team they were last year, and with this pitching staff as a whole, it's going to be tough. But hope for the best. And uh, as always, thanks for having me on here with you, and uh, glad to be a part of it anytime. Okay, and thanks again. We certainly like having you. Yeah, anytime. All right. Have a good night, Al. You too, guys. You too, guys. All right, Liz, uh, any any expectations? I mean, Al expects a sweep here. I think it would be the most 2019 thing ever, you know, for the Red Sox to drop two out of three coming off of a, uh, you know, a nice Indian series. But, uh, you know, we got Porcello going game one against Aaron Brooks. Porcello's been up and down. He has had uh, at least one or two decent starts recently. Uh, and then we got Asher Wojciechowski. <laughs> I'm sure I botched that. Against uh, Eduardo Rodriguez on Saturday. That's actually a 7-10 primetime game. And then we got a TBD versus TB. 
TBD. So, how many games do the Red Sox take? Uh, I mean, I th- I think you're right. I think it's so weird that uh, that they haven't been playing as well as you would think. Like, anytime, you know, with one of the worst, I don't think the Orioles are the worst team in baseball right now. I just was looking at that. I forget who is, but, but I mean, they're pretty freaking bad. But for some reason, they've just got the Sox number. And um, I think it would be unfortunate but hilarious if, if they did get, if they got swept by them. I mean, Probably not. Like I can't believe the Rays swept. You know, swept them. I can't believe they did so well when uh, when the Sox like went in and killed the Yankees. That that surprised me. But um, but I mean that'll just be another you know another descent on the roller coaster, Terry. Straight <laughs> down, and then they'll come right back up again. So who the heck knows? I mean, I, I feel like it's all a crapshoot at this point. I mean. I'm a Leon person. I mean, we've talked about this a million times, and hopefully he'll be catching Porcello. So I hope Porcello goes out and does well. If they win one game, I'd like to see Porcello do well, not for the sake of his contract or anything, but to at least make Leon look useful out there. But uh, other than that, that's all I got. (laughs) All right. Well, it was certainly good to have you back. And uh, so I guess we'll – I don't know what next week's schedule looks like, but uh, we'll – See you on uh, Wednesday or Thursday. And then we're going to do like an in-person show, I guess, aren't we? September 22nd. Oh, yeah. September. September. That'll be exciting. Yeah. Hopefully that'll be a, uh, a, a special, slightly earlier edition since we'll both be in the same place, which has never happened before. Right. That'll be exciting. Yeah, I'm plus sure the Steelers, will. Plus the Steelers play at four. And uh, two of the people in the house that I'm staying with are Steelers fans, so... I'll probably have to be present for most of that game. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure it will be probably an early uh, afternoon show. So, uh, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll see you next week and uh, go. I, I'm I'd be fine if the Rays do well at this point. I, I don't care. <laughs> well, it's funny. I don't know. You probably haven't looked at what their schedule looks like all this. Well, for this whole month, but uh, they play. Like, all these teams, like, were so freaking easy. Uh, oh, God. Who are the only challenging teams they're playing? I think they play the Astros toward the end of this. They may even be playing them this weekend. I'm not sure. I can't. I don't have it up here in front of me. And then there was one other uh, one other series where you were like, eh, like, that could be challenging. But everybody else was a cakewalk. Like, they needed to do well. They needed to because I haven't looked at September and it's probably a bunch of Yankees and you guys. So so we need to we needed to come in and uh, sweep a bunch of series. I see you guys are playing San Diego. I'm sure you'll get some wins, you know, there over there soon. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and I'm I'm rooting for the Astros too because if they take that number one seed, then the Yankees have to face the Indians, which I'm sure if they're smart, that should horrify them. Uh, so I, I hope to see that, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll catch up next week, Liz. Uh, have a good night. All right. Sounds good. Good night. Episode 160 in the books, two out of three against the Indians. Have a nice little cupcake series against the Baltimore Orioles this weekend, so... 
Uh, not very exciting, to be honest with you. I'll probably have one eye on this series and then one eye on uh, some other things going on around the league. And uh, so we'll see. It's an exciting year, nonetheless, if you're a baseball fan in general. And, um, you know, and then, of course, the playoffs, which I love anyway. I mean, 2016, we got swept, but. It didn't end for me. You know, it was fun watching the Indians go on that run with Francona and the Cubs were, you know, in the midst of what ended up being a historic run. And I even enjoyed watching the Royals win the World Championship the season before. So still plenty of baseball, you know, if you're a fan in general. So anyway, we'll be back Sunday night to recap uh, the Orioles series and then preview the uh, two-game series against the Phillies uh, starting on Tuesday. So see you then and enjoy the uh, latter part of your work week and weekend. Take care. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Playing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and then he makes the catch, he did! He got it! Here we go, time to party, right here, 3-2. High the air. He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, Frank Lee is over, the Red Sox have won the world championship! Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? 